Welcome to What Does Good Look Like, the podcast that brings you healthy care experts with unique insights into what good looks like and what you can do to get there. I'm Anna, and I'm co-hosting this podcast together with Will. In this week's episode, we'll make another deep dive into a topic that we know a lot of people are interested in, blood sugar, and in particular, using glucose monitors. So some of you may have heard that even companies like Apple and Google put a lot of effort into developing new methods of measuring blood sugar levels real time. The secret that they both know is that this could open up a world of insight for the general public, helping people to better understand how their blood sugar is affected by food, physical activity, or stress. And knowing this could have a large impact on people's behavior. So today we're gonna give you a crash course in blood sugar and why it's important not only to your health, but also your overall quality of life. We'll also share our experience of measuring our blood sugar and how we've used that to learn more about how we react to different types of food, training, and stress. And in the next episode, we'll also speak to Thomas, who is one of our Melio doctors, uh, who is both a medical doctor and doing a PhD where his focus is on metabolism. And he'll tell us about his experiences of also using a continuous glucose monitor. Now to use something called a a CGM or a continuous glucose monitor to measure blood sugar levels in real time is becoming increasingly popular, both with people with diabetes and those without. And you may be thinking, you know, why are people without diabetes interested in what is in effect a medical device? And we think there are kind of three major things. First is the technology itself is cheap and accessible, or at least cheaper and more accessible than it used to be. You're getting real-time feedback on how your body reacts to lifestyle choices related to food, stress, sleep, and activity levels, and how these affect your health. And that's, that's hugely powerful. Real-time feedback is, is just a game changer. And fundamentally, it's actually really good fun to use one. And fun sounds good. But I think most people may still think that measuring blood sugar is something that is mostly interesting to people with diabetes. Uh, but actually, you mentioned that um, this could be interesting for healthy people as well, right? Yeah, for a diabetic, this is, of course, really important. But there are, there are certain groups for which this information is also in, uh, important and useful. There's a, a large group of people with what's termed pre-diabetes, which is what we also call a silent condition. So most people are not really symptomatic or all the symptoms, you know, like falling asleep after lunch, etc. They don't really think of as, as real symptoms. And what prediabetes means is that your sugar metabolism has started to worsen, but it's not yet bad enough to be classified as diabetic, which is just a threshold. And at this stage, you can still reverse the process through lifestyle intervention. But without intervention, between 40 and 70% of those prediabetic individuals are expected to become type 2 diabetic within four years. And I say between 40 and 70% because it depends upon the population you're looking at and the paper that you read. Obviously, then, if you're pre-diabetic, it's quite important that you find that out so you can do something about it. So how common is, it, is pre-diabetes? You, you said that it was quite a large group of people that have it. Yeah, so we said forty between 40 and 70%. So I'm just... No, gonna... Sorry, I'll pause you again. No, it's, it's the prevalence is not 40 to 70%. The progression rate is 40 to 70%. Okay. This was the thing that what was missed. This was the, the problem last time as well. Okay, we so, should just say... You should say... Prog- do you see okay. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, no, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so I'll, okay, 
yeah, you can just start talking because I, I, I think we've got audio for my, for my yeah. question. Yeah. So we just talked about progression, but you're asking about something prevalence, like how common is this? Uh, well, according to a study published in the British Medical Journal in 2014, the prevalence of prediabetes in the English adult population was estimated to be about 35% in 2011. But if you're over 40 and obese, it was over 50%. So what this means is basically a third of the English adult population is suffering from prediabetes. But like I said, most don't even know it. And one of the big problems is we're using the word suffering. And for many, it's not symptomatic, so they don't think of themselves as suffering. But even for perfectly healthy people, you can quickly gain valuable insights on the health impacts of lifestyle cho choices. As we mentioned, food, stress levels, sleep and activity levels. For example, is your diet really working? Are the little decisions you're making day to day helping or hampering you? If you're doing intermittent fasting, which is really popular today, what is your blood sugar baseline level and how does it change after eating? Immediate feedback, which these CGMs or continuous glu glucose monitors provide, is really powerful. So it's great if you want to try a new diet or a new exercise re regime to see how it affects you. But we do need to say at this point, there's no proven benefit to everyone using a continuous blood sugar tracker all of the time. But I think what we, what we do know enough of, both anecdotally and in the, in, in the evidence, is that for many people, they can benefit for using it uh, even for a short period, just to learn a little bit more about the decisions they're making and the impact on their health. Exactly. And, and to understand how it can be useful, uh, it's probably good to know the basics around blood sugar and how that works. And, and I think blood sugar has received a lot of attention the last years or so, where people have been talking more and more about avoiding uh, sugar as well. So uh, the most important thing to know here is that blood sugar levels, they go up and down throughout the day, usually when you wake up in the morning. So usually you haven't been eating for maybe 10 hours or so. That means that your blood sugar levels will be, you know, lower and, and quite stable at least. Um, but then when you eat, then your blood sugar will start to rise. And especially if you've had a meal that's quite high in carbs or sugar even, of course, that high can go up quite high. And when this happens, when blood sugar starts to go up, your body will secrete a hormone called insulin. And this hormone, it basically tells the cells, the blood is full of sugar. Uh, time to eat and so the cells in the body they will start absorbing this sugar or glucose they will start absorbing this from the blood and then the levels in the blood go down again so that's kind of the ups and downs that can happen throughout the day as you eat and then go down again after you've eaten and this is perfectly normal but when you're in a position where your blood sugar control has started to worsen and potentially in combination with having high sugar or carb intake, these peaks uh, can actually go really high. And also the lows afterwards can get really low. So it's like being on this constant roller coaster ride um, that you just can't get off. And of course, being on a roller coaster ride may sound like a lot of fun, but especially if you're motion sick, it isn't. And so even in healthy people, these swings between high and low blood sugar levels can actually have a huge impact on the way that we feel. Things like mood, hunger, feelings of weakness, etc. Um, so, so how much and how quickly these ups and downs uh, change is actually quite important. I think a lot of us know about being low on blood sugar, 
uh, a lot of people have even heard about sugar lows, uh, where you can feel hungry, tired, a bit shaky even. But also the high peaks can actually be quite bad for you. They can induce things like oxidative stress and inflammation. And these are both mechanisms that we've talked about before in the context of accelerating aging. And they're also believed to contribute to the development of many chronic conditions. So it is something that you want to avoid whenever possible. And so the reason why I, I wanted to talk about this a little bit is to explain that when you do take a regular blood test, uh, usually at your doctors, um, no, most people take them in the morning while fasted. That just gives you a snapshot in time. But it won't tell you about the dynamics, how it changes throughout the day, how high the peaks will go and how, how low the dips will go. But that is exactly what you get with CGM. Okay, so you've mentioned CGM and I've mentioned the CGM, but maybe we should just briefly cover what a CGM really is. Yeah, so CGM stands for Continuous Glucose Monitor. And what it is, is a device that measures your blood sugar continuously. So all the time, or at least very, very often, uh, so that you can get this curve that shows you exactly how your blood sugar goes up and down during the day and the night as well. And these CGMs have been around for a while. The first one was actually released on the market in 1999, so 20 years ago. But those early versions were quite painful to insert. They were a bit bulky uh, and also really expensive. But of course, the technology has improved dramatically during the last 20 years. And today, they're actually really easy to use and the devices can send the data to your smartphone. So I think... What we wanted to cover now and what's, of course, most interesting is, of course, what things that you can learn from using these CGMs, also as a healthy individual or a non-diabetic individual. So both Will and I have actually tried a CGM, wearing a CGM, and I was thinking maybe, Will, would you like to start telling us a bit about your experience? Yeah, so maybe I should start with, uh, so I've tried CGMs on a, uh, for a few years now, on and off, and I can say that fundamentally it teaches you a hell of a lot about your body and much more than just about the food that you put in it. So we just need to say that straight away. Um, I think for me, there were two major takeaways. One was around the surprise at what actually can really spike your blood sugar. And the second one is you actually can control your physiological, your body's response to things that would normally spike your blood sugar once you understand how to lower it. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about both. So some of the big surprises, a great example was I had a really bad night's sleep. So when I woke up, my blood sugar was already elevated above where it, where it normally is in the morning. I then got in a car on, to go to the gym. So I was still fasted at this point. I normally train in the mornings, completely fasted. Got in the car, had a road rage incident on the motorway, uh, and then went and did a high intensity session. And the combination of all three stresses together sent my blood sugar above 12 millimoles which is really high you could actually get diagnosed as a diabetic with, with blood sugars well fasted that high uh, and what was interesting as well was the cumulative effect was high but because of the cumulative effect my blood sugar took a long time to come down in fact almost 24 hours to come down to a normal level i mean obviously it wasn't at 12 millimoles for that period of time but it was a, a very slow decline and then I think around exercise, I was surprised at what the impact different types of exercise had on my blood sugar levels. So if I had a really intense 
uh, Olympic weightlifting session, which was really high intensity. You know, my heart rate would be 180 beats a minute or, or, or 175, 180 beats a minute. My blood sugar level would go really high by the end of that session, even if I was fasted. Whereas if I went for a run, a low, steady, what you call a zone two, so kind of 130 beats a minute run, very gentle, very easy, or a walk, my blood sugar level would slowly go down. Um, if I added on top of any of those sessions a sauna, my blood sugar level would rise quite rapidly and then come down quite rapidly when I left the sauna, uh, which is quite interesting because there seems to be quite a lot of uh, work being done uh, looking at the reduction in cardiovascular risk for those who regularly use a sauna. So, so I've, I've jumped on that bandwagon, especially as I'm living in Sweden. Um, and then for me, I think it was fun to see both my effect and then other people's effect of different foods on their uh, blood sugar levels. So for me, you know, things that you, some people might think are healthy, sushi, basically sugared white rice, bananas. And then one that was a big shock was actually uh, a friend of mine's mother who uh, was testing a CGM and she tried her normal breakfast, which was this paleo, um, crunchy, uh, I can't remember what's the word for, for those morning breakfasts. It was like a granola, wasn't it? A granola, there we go. Yeah, so a paleo granola. And, you know, it had all of the organic, just natural sugar, all of the good stuff that marketers put on these things. But when she had that with normal whole milk, my God, it spiked her blood sugar. Uh, so so it was interesting because I think there are all these little minefields that you, uh, decisions that you make on a day-to-day basis. And without something giving you real-time t- feedback, you can kind of sabotage yourself without really realizing it. So those were those were hugely, hugely eye-opening for me. I think there are lots of food that we eat that we consider being healthy that can surprise you. Um, I also did a test with different types of smoothies. I think a lot of people, they like smoothies, but they also drink them because it feels like a healthy option, right? And I tried once when I had a fruit smoothie uh, with banana, strawberry, uh, I tried that when I was on CGM and my blood sugar just went super high. On the other hand, one of the mornings I tried a green smoothie. So this was, I was fasted. I had a green smoothie with avocado, spinach, bit of apple, um, some, I think, ginger. And it was pretty flat. So nothing really happened to my blood sugar. So, of course, it kind of, you can't just say smoothie. It varies what's in it. But clearly, a fruit smoothie packed with banana and lots of other fruits um, and berries that may be quite high in sugar can actually have a big impact on your blood sugar. So that that can be good to keep an keep an eye open for. Um, I also had a had an example with stress. In my in my example, it wasn't combined with a road rage incident, but um, I was doing a statistics exam, and I'd also stacked up with quite a lot lot of sweets. And the combination of the stress and the sugar rush, um, that also bumped my my blood sugar over, I think, close to 12 millimoles as well. So it got super high. Another thing that I have noticed is that the timing of food matters. And so, for instance, if you're eating sweets on an empty stomach, as opposed to having a dessert maybe after a meal with, you know, fat and fiber and other things as well that can have a big impact so the sugar peak will be much higher if, if you eat it on empty stomach than if you do it together with a 
with a more proper meal. Um, and then something that we haven't mentioned yet is the effect of alcohol. I'm not a big beer drinker, so I haven't really tried that out. But I have tried together with wine. And so it, it should be noted that in beer, you have a considerable amount of carbs normally. Uh, yeah, it's a, if you remember, actually, I tried the beer. Liquid carbohydrate, the, yes. the effect of the beer was, uh, it sent my blood sugar very high. Yeah, so beer can send it very high. Um, and also, of course, cider contains a lot of sugar as well. So if you try one of those, you will definitely, I think, see, see a spike. Uh, but with wine, it can vary a bit. There are some really sweet sweet wines, of course, but um, a lot of wine usually contains four or five grams of sugar per litre or even less. Um, so actually, if you have a dry wine, then you're not going to see that much of a difference. What you can see, though, on the other hand, is that later on, so if you have a glass of wine at night, you may see actually a dip during the night several hours later. And th this could be due to the fact that the liver is, is supplying the, uh, the body with glucose or sugar during the night when you're not eating. But the liver, of course, is also occupied with, with metabolizing the uh, alcohol the liver may be less capable of actually supplying the body with uh, glucose during the night. So if you have a tendency to go too low in your blood sugar, then you should probably be a bit careful of, of having, having wine before going to bed. And so though, I guess those were just a few examples that we had that we wanted to share. Uh, in next week's episode, we're going to be speaking to Tomas, which is a doctor that we're working with as well at Melio. Um, and He's very knowledgeable about metabolism and all the theory behind this, but he's also tried a CGM to actually be able to test some of this, this stuff in, in practice. So that's going to be super interesting to hear his uh, experiences as well. I'm excited about that because uh, he's a, both a medical doctor and he's doing a PhD, particularly around cancer metabolism. So he's definitely one to listen to. Um, Please, we'd love to hear from you guys if any of you have any CGM experiences that you want to share. I mean, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or perhaps you even have your own experience to share, either way, we'd love to, for you to get in touch. You can reach us directly via email uh, at podcast at meliohealth.com. So that's podcast at meliohealth.com. Or if you make a post on social media, please tag us using hashtag WDGLL. That's for what does good look like. And if you do like our podcast, please help spread the word. You can share episodes with friends and family directly from your podcast app, as well as leave a rating or review to help even more people find us. Join us in discovering what does good look like so that you and your loved ones can stay younger for longer. 